Casting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys and welcome to this week's podcast and I want to start by thanking and welcoming my new patrons who joined this week and I really appreciate the support of the channel lots more planned as well for the next couple of weeks and those who haven't joined yet please consider becoming a patron we'll get access to over 90 past episodes and weekly podcasts bonus content photographs behind the scenes to each episode and other exclusive content and competitions each month. Before I go on to this week's guest, I just want to say I will be in Ireland now fishing for the Ferox throughout September. Even though I've got some bookings lined up for the Ferox days, I have a few dates available. If anybody wants to join me and experience an outstanding fishing, these amazing specimen fish, give us a shout. Now on to this week's episode. This week's guest is a gilly and a boatman, Loch Melvin, County Leitrim, and also on Loch Arrow in County Sligo. It soon becomes apparent when you listen to our chat. He's not Irish, but originally comes from South Africa. He moved over to nearby Loch Melvin, coming up to 20 years now. I first met up with him for a day a few years ago and had a great time, especially his lunches actually something he's renowned for. He gives advice and tips on how to fish the lakes this coming month of September and also talks of the Sonahan and Gillaroo and I hope to meet up with him next month and hopefully have a couple of days and maybe even try for the Ferox. Welcome to my chat with Andreas Ferreira. Well, it's good that we finally got a chat because the last time we'd arranged to do something, you actually caught COVID back in May or June, was it? That's correct. That's correct. Just after my fly, I got COVID and the whole house had it, but I'm fine now. Was it quite ill with it? Um, I was just knackered. That was all. Just very, very tired. Oh, well, at least uh, that's over with now. And we were, like, I'm over next month and I thought... It'd be easier to do maybe a chat next month when I when I come over, but I thought, well, you never know what might happen, so we might as well do it on the phone now. Exactly, exactly. So how has your season been? Uh, hit and miss, Kerry. It's been all over the show. Um, the fishing's not been great in Ireland this year. The West Coast has been pretty pretty quiet. Um, the Mayfly on Loch Erne was terrible. There was a good hatch on Loch Malvern. Um, evening fishing was better. And then uh, Loch Arrow fished very well for me. Mask was hit and miss as well. Oh, you fish Arrow as well, do you? I do, I do, I do. I guide on Arrow as well. Oh, I enjoy right. Arrow. Yeah. Do you know what? I fished it once many, many, many years ago. And one thing I do remember, ah. I only went out for a few hours in the evening and I had a few small fish, but there was a, was it a pub right beside the lake, if I remember right? Just a literally walking distance from the lake. Oh, I, I know we are. So, it's on a corner of the road. I know exactly where we are. It used to be a great pub to go in in the evenings chat to fishermen. Uh, that's what we did. Yeah. And uh, one thing I do remember, it was probably one of the, 
the best pints I've ever had over there. The, the head on the top was like pastry. It was like about <laughs> an inch and a half floating on top of the pint. Aye, aye, aye. You need to come to Garrison. We have a, a very good pub called Gilroy's, and it always has a great pint in it. Gilroy's? Mickey's won a couple of uh, Gilroy's. Mickey's won a couple of uh, awards from the Guinness Best Pints. I see. I tell you one thing. Oh, aye, there's a fine pint in that place. When you, oh, when right. you put the glass down, the cream is stuck to the side of it. That's nice. Well, I will have to uh, make a point of putting it on my list when I come over in September. Definitely, definitely. September fish as well, too. What can I expect in September? What sort of fishing? I mean, like, are they on the uh, top? Or are, they, are they pulling wets um, or dries? Or? In September on Melbourne, most of the fish are still on, in the deep, so water temperature would be fairly high still. So there's a big bloom of Daphne coming towards August into September. And uh, it can be very good pulling in the deeps on the clarets and on the golden olive colours. Um Octopus and that sort of stuff will work well, Is and then also very dark, dark clarets, claret dabblers, that type of thing. All right, yeah, yeah. When you say in the deeps, then would that be for the sonachan, or you would get normal uh, brown Sonachan, 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 all the way. Yeah. Um, there's the, the there are good browns in it, and some really big ferroxes, but they're hard to come by. The ferroxes we catch most in the early in the season. Yeah. Sort of. March, April, that time of the year. Yeah. But they're they're hard to get because the lake is so deep. I mean, you're you're up to eighty, ninety foot, even more, off the um, schoolhouse shore, and all those big ferroxes are lying in there, and then they only come up every now and then. So what would they feed on the the the, uh, the ferox in Melvin? Because no, co- is there coarse so, fish in there? No, there's no coarse fish, and they feed on. There's supposed to be char in there, but I've never seen a char in it. But they feed on the small brown trout, right, close into the shore. Um, I had uh, in the internationals. I was boating one of the the English guys and a Scottish guy, and the English guy hooked a small uh, wee tiny brown trout, and next thing the line just went mad, and he got stuck into a big ferret to taking the trout. Really, and. Uh, a real big fish, like I mean, fish six to twelve pound size, a real big, big fish, wow. fifty plus centimeters long, real big, big, big fish. And he had him on for a few minutes. The next thing, he just shook his head and off he went. And yeah. uh, we got we got the wee trout into the boat, and you could see clearly on it, it's not a a, a pike bite bite. You know, when the pike bite takes a bite, sort of tears it. This yeah. was more like a bite bite mark. Was this in the recent international? Yeah, this was an international, only there at the beginning of June. There was a big wind, wasn't it, if I remember right? Oh, it was horrendous, Kerry. It was horrendous. I mean, I was surprised they they, they, they stuck to the day and didn't bring it a day forward. But yeah. uh, at least the, the quality of the boatmen on, on Loch Malwin is always of that standard that they can handle it because we're used to fishing in fairly big winds. Um, because you have the mountain on the one side of Malvern and then you have the big hills on the other side. Yeah. It's like a channel. Then if the wind if it catches wind from the southwest or the west, it really pulls a big wave into it. Uh, we were lucky we went across the, 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 the bay, right across to underneath a mountain, and we just stuck underneath a mountain, so we got some shelter there. Because uh, you wouldn't keep that fly line even on the water. If the guys were pulling even on a on a fast glass, the wind was lifting the fly or the, the, the line off the water. Do you do you actually fish the competitions yourself? Is the competition scene? Um, 
I used to fish the, the, the competition scene. I only got up to Ulster level. Um, I was on the World Cup there only a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago. But uh, not anymore. I just don't have time, Kerry. But the guiding, is it? Uh, the guiding is, is very busy. Right. Especially when the competition honors the, the guiding always takes over. Yeah, I guess when the fishing's good, that's the time people yeah. want to go out. So you're guiding amongst the, the exactly. best time there. Exactly. And, and most of the competitions is either in the spring or in around August or later in the year. And that's exactly when I have all the guests and stuff over. The Americans and the, and the, and the German and French guys all come over in their summer hot breaks. And uh, you have to just cater for those guys and that's it. You yeah. have to put the bread on the table somehow. I know. Do you get much time for pleasure fishing? Um, I do. I make a point of it actually to go out at least once a week for myself. I, I try to get out at least uh, a Sunday or, or a Saturday and even take one of the, one of my lads with me or, or my wife. I see, my wife fished as well. She fished international. Oh, does she? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she, she, repre- she represented Ireland on uh, Grafham a few years ago, I think in 2007. All right. Does she still fly a competition fish now? No, 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 no. She she went away from it completely. When the, when the, when the youngsters came along, she she gave it up. But now she only comes out for the for, for the fun. Because I remember, right. I think the last time we were together, we fished. I think must have been about. I was thinking this morning, oh, but eight years ago, I think. And we went I, out I, from Rosinva, didn't we? What what's the story there? Is it a club, Rosinva Club or? It was a syndicate. So the 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 shareholders in the in in Rosinva, and then there's um, members like like associate members to it, and they can get the use of the boats and the facilities up there. And that's the whole thing. And oh, they have nice. a, a, a fair bit of the water up there for themselves, like uh, Rosinva Bay, that area, which is a fly only bit of the, the, the Melbourne. This is a big part of the Melbourne boys control. So uh, right. the bay is well known. Well, the Rossingham Bay is well known for the salmon fishing. All right, yeah, they fish the sides and the the shallows. Then I guess uh, the, sides, the sides, the shallows, and, and up the points and stuff like that. Yeah, I actually had um, um, a salmon when I fished yeah. it on the practice day for international. The first time I fished it many years ago, and uh, <laughs> I was actually fishing an area. Is it Ross Point? Maybe Ross. Ross's Point, Point yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember the boatman. It was a lovely conditions, lovely wave. And he said, this is a good spot now for the odd salmon. And I cast out and I ah. gave one pull. And I saw this salmon coming oh. over the fly in the green peter. And uh, yeah. 7.10, if I remember right, it was. I was shaking, shaking like a leaf it was. It was going all over the place. Nice, fresh fish. I, I, they, they give you a real good pull. Oh, yeah. I loved it. But um, yeah. yeah, going back they to go the, off like that. yeah, going back to the day when we fished. One thing I remember, I think we had a few small fish, nothing of any size. Yeah. But one one thing I did remember was lunch. You did lunch in style, didn't you? You want some? Was it deer steaks? I I venison steaks. Venison steaks, yeah. And that's something that's, which I, I, you do in the winter. You shoot, yeah. I I hunt I hunt deer in the winter. Not that much nowadays. I used to do a lot more when I was years ago, but uh, I do enough to keep the freezer full, and that's it. I mean, I, I that that's one reason I have a lot of returning customers because they always say the lunches is good. Yeah, that's we, a big uh, part. 
Oh, that's a, that's a, all part of the crack, you see. I mean, the, the 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 French, the Germans, and the Italians, they love that carry-on. The Americans, too, but they're more serious about their fishing. Like, like the, I have German customers out yesterday. We were, we were sea, sea trout fishing on the an estuary, and uh, they they caught a sea trout, and we cooked it in the pan for them, and they loved that. But then I had some salmon steaks, and uh, they couldn't believe how tasty the salmon is. Oh, they were fresh salmon, wild salmon. Wild salmon. I got a salmon a week or two ago, and uh, in in Kong, in the Kong system. Oh, did down, you? Uh, oh, I. Uh, you know, you know, in 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 Kong itself, in the village, there's the wee hole at the back, yeah, next be- to the IFI behind the hatchery. Yeah, in there. It's by behind the hatchery, exactly. Yeah, and I got a couple of fish out. Did you? Do you go that. down? Do you go down there often then for the salmon? I do, I do. We we take a house on Loch Mask um, every year out of holes down in the bottom of Cahir Bay, and uh, I go down for ten days, and uh, then we we make make a day of it and go down to Kong and fish up down there. I also fish the Wee River, you know, the, the Kong Canal feeder river. Oh um, yeah, for the, small, for the small browns. Yeah, so go down there for the day and and have a bit of fun and stuff. Like that. So so my my lads can fish for the salmon as well. Yeah, I've, I've taught. A bit of uh, worming and all that. I think I know exactly the spot you mean. Actually, there's a hole there's oh. just behind there, the Big walkway. Hole. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's full of salmon at the moment. It was it was absolutely stuffed. Is uh, it? A friend of mine who ran a GoPro underwater down it, and uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of salmon in it. It was just they were lying two and three next to each other, the whole place full. Uh, there was there was loads in it. Yeah. I'd say they got two hundred. Well, that um, system from the Kong Canal, well, it's a dry canal, they call it, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, it sort of appears, then it just disappears, then it appears, disappears. It's like sinkholes. Yeah. And I bet the, the planners had a bit of a headache making that, but it was a failure, wasn't it, <laughs> when they were trying to join Mask and Corrib. It was a complete failure. Yeah, but I think um, yeah. along there, it's, it's hidden, it is. I think there's a place called, if I remember right, uh, Connor Bonner, and uh, basically it was a, it's a it's like a almost a little lake in that system in the woods, and uh, you got to walk through. It's like nam a jungle going through to get to it. But when you get there, oh my god, it, it's like a forgotten lake, and it's beautiful. And it was trout feeding in there, and uh, yeah, I had fish. I've had them. I've landed them sort of a pound and a half from there. But I remember hooking one one night. And he yeah. must have been about five pound, and he came off right at the net. But it's the most yeah. unexpected places you get fish over there. Oh, but 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 it's a wild spot. Even if you go up the canal, um, towards where where Loch Mask feeds into the canal, yeah, it, there, there's there's absolutely. If you stand on the bank and you stand still long enough, you see these big big trout cruising up and down it. Is the it? problem is you need, you need about three ladders to get down into it. Um, oh, but right. it's not very deep. It's only, um, I'd say, a foot or two deep, um, and it's crystal clear water. So you have to be very, very sneaky. But coming into the evening, the, the trout sort of forget about that they that they they're being predated, and then it goes mad. Is it? I've seen great hatches, great hatches of gnats and stuff in there, and and the fish go absolutely crazy for them. Yeah, it's knowing the access to these places, isn't it? Because that's the, that's the thing. But you know what you do is you get a good map. For the area, and you just spend a bit of time to drive around it and go and look at it and speak to the farmers, speak to the local anglers. 
a lot of places down there, the, the locals wouldn't want to tell you about it because they don't want you poking no. your nose into it. No, quite. <laughs> so how did it all so start for it. you then? Obviously, well, you haven't mentioned it now, but you're obviously from South Africa, aren't you, originally? That's correct. That's correct. How it all started for me is, um, I was a little boy and um, age about five or six, and our neighbor was, he was the head of a, a local fishery hatchery, and he was running it. It was called Junkers Hook. And uh, he used to tie flies, and I'd watch him, a little boy, and I always was mad about the creations he was making. And uh, then a friend of our son, he was fly fishing very well at that stage. And I was about six, sitting on the back of a Honda 500 motorbike, yeah. holding on to him here live and going up into the mountains <laughs> in the Western Cape, um, up into the small bar and the Elan's Putt and Yander Toys and we mountain streams in, in South Africa. And that's where I learned actually fly fishing. And mostly it was all dries those days. Uh, it was all hand you know, tied at, at home creations. We, we didn't have the tartan salmon that was during the, the apartheid era in the, in the, in the late eighties, heavily sanctioned. So you'd, you'd never see international magazines and stuff. So the only thing you, you had was like old magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. But there was a great club, and it still exists, it's called the Piscators, and they were promoting fly fishing in a big way. And uh, that's how I actually got involved in, in fly fishing, because I had a good youth program. In that, like, in, I was 12 years old, 1982, when I went to a, a thing they had on the Small Bar River, and that really got the bug going. I never left it. So what sort of fishing was there? It was mainly rivers, or was it lakes out there then? There was most, mainly rivers. There was there was one or two small lakes com, compared to the Irish lake. Um, it was stock. Right. And it was it, it was good fishing, but it was all uh, rainbows. So so you, you, you had a few ideas what to do with it, and, and it was more traditional flies we used to fish for them. Um, sweet peacock spiders, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what actually brought you over to Ireland then? Uh, to Ireland? Well... We uh, we lived in London for a while, and I used to fish at Hanningfield. I'm sure you've heard of that. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then my, me and my wife decided, well, we wanted to move out of London, and uh, we looked all over the place, Scotland and all over. But I had come out in 2000 to fish the Mayfly with a friend of mine's father um, on Loch Earn. And then we came out to Fumana uh, and had a look at a few places, and Put in a bid for a place next to Loch uh, Melbourne, and that was it. End of bid accepted. And I have a wee small farm out here, a wee three acre, uh, six acre farm, and uh, grow veg and live a bit of the land, and that's all I do over here. So that was in 2000. So it was relatively recently, uh, well, 20 years, I guess. Oh, no, we came out of uh, 2005. We moved. Oh, right. But, yeah. And then you started guiding then, did you? Or was it that? No, I didn't start guiding. No, I didn't start guiding actually until a wee, uh, quite a bit later on. Um, I had friends and stuff down, and I would take them out and we'd have a big lunch and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then uh, the next thing, uh, a mate of mine said, why don't you take this on as a business? I can send you a lot of clients. And I said, what do you mean a lot of clients? And he said, um, there's a lot of guys in, in England working in the, in the finance system. That's mad about fishing the Irish lost they'd like to come out. And that's where it all started. Feel free to visit my online shop on my website, where you will find a selection of my most popular Irish sign prints, plus a choice of ghillie kettles and cooking accessories. 
or if you would like to experience one of my guiding and instruction packages, feel free to message me. Or again, take a look at my tuition and guiding page at castingwithkerryjones.com. They, I think it's the drouse, isn't it? That's every year. Yeah. They usually get the first salmon in Ireland, don't they, normally? They normally do, but the late, lately the, the runs have become later and later. Now it's more into February. And and we we, we tend to get a, a big drop of um, kelp, fence fish, from in through the system in the first couple of weeks of January. Yeah. And it seems to me then after the first flood in the middle of January to the late January, then we get the first run of, of spring fish. Yeah. So when does the season end up in Melvin? Now, last day of September, is it? Uh, the last day of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. Um, will you get out now more stays with guiding or pleasure fishing? Do um, you have many days off now? At the moment, I this is the first day I've had off in uh, 14 days. Wow. It's been pretty full on. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's nice to be able to keep busy, mind, isn't it? Now, like I'm, oh. I'm coming over now in in September in a couple of weeks' time. What would be the best methods and flies you would say for anyone really coming over now for well, September? For September, what I would put put up. I mean, I'm at the moment just sitting here tying a few flies. I'll have a carrot dabbler on the point. I'll have at least uh, one, if not two, either gorge georges or octopuses in the in the middle, or a daddy on the top. Yeah. A a wee foam body daddy, like uh, you know the old pulling moles foam body daddy. Yeah. For some reason that pulled pull through the wave that the the sonophon love it, absolutely love it. All right. Have you yeah. had what sort of size sonophon? What that was I when I fished it, I was getting about a pound thereabouts. Do you get many bigger ones? You do if you go to certain areas. I find that the, the sonophon that, that runs next to the the sunken islands, they are always the bigger ones. But there's not many of them, so so if you if you find a a, a pod of them, and there could be maybe only five or six in the pod, you could get a couple of good fish out of it. But off the deeps in the in in the deeper drifts of uh, uh, what do you call the bilberry and uh, the schoolhouse drift, yeah. there is a fish all ten, eleven, eleven and a half, maybe twelve inches is yeah. a good black sonar. I remember but, you saying uh, schoolhouse out from schoolhouse yeah. was the the, the prime yeah. area where we caught most of the fish and right out into the deep. It. But what was nice, it's quite unique, isn't it, uh, Melvin? It is. Much, you haven't got to keep looking for shallows and bays and points. You can just be right out in the open. That's, that, that's it. And uh, a lot of men, if you, if you tell them pulling out in the deeps, especially the traditional boys, they they frown at you and they don't understand how it works. But then when you when you've hit a couple of fish and you go around and do the drift again, and you hit another couple of fish. Yeah. Um, it uh, it works great. I mean, if you have a good boatman or you you you, you know what you're at on the engine, you can stay on the school all day long. Do they go up I and mean, down uh, the levels? Because what I found, we were going over and say you have a couple of fish, then you go quickly back around, have a couple of more, and whether yeah. or not we weren't finding them, but then rarely on the third time round, you know, we'd have fish and we'd search for another pod. Do they come up and down with the layers? What's yeah. the reason for that? What they do is, is if you if you caught a couple of fish and you put them in back into the water and you release them, they go into the pod, and sometimes they take the pod down deep because when I, what I reckon is some of them sonic and salt after they've been hooked and released. 
and they just go sit down in the deep water for a, for a wee while right. and they bring the pod with them. De- depends on the, the light of the day, I think, as well. If it's very bright, the fish are going to stay deep all day long, yeah. but you will get them up. If there's enough surface disturbance, they'll come up. If you think there's legs on it or a bit of DRA in it, they will come up. They will come up. I've seen in, in, in bright sunshine and a, a, a wee cordway ripple on it, pulling wee mudlers, size 12 mudlers through, through, the, through the surface on a floating line. Then wee black boys will come up and they'll hammer the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about um, going on now to the gillaroos? Um, yeah. They are all hugging the margins, I guess, and the size they feed oh, in. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're tight on the stones. They're tight on the stones. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday, I was out in the Melbourne, and uh, we were down in a place called Flanagan's Bay, and we couldn't meet to get a fish. We couldn't buy a fish, even, as I would say, in Ireland. And we left it, and we went up to a place called Hills Bay, and real quiet, sheltered bay in the westerly wind. And a nice hatch of olives and mayfly coming off it. And tight on the shore, we got four nice, good-sized uh, gillaroo. And uh, the American client wanted to know how we know they're gillaroo, and I showed him. It's a distinctive, the fins are damaged always from hooking in the, in the rock. Oh, and right, if yeah. you feel, they feel, feel underneath the front bottom fin, you can actually feel the, the, the gizzards that they have, where they, where, when you can feel the wee stones in them. They're very orange as well. They're bright. They're more colourful. Oh, bright, bright orange and big red spots on them. I, I've, I've never had and nothing big. Have you had any decent sized ones? I my my, my best fish of Loch Malman is a Gillaroo of four pounds nine ounces. Wow! How did that come yeah. about? Uh, Easter weekend, teaching a, a a German client how to fly cast and just messing around off uh, the shore. Off the shore and two buzz, off the shore with two buzzers on it over an Easter weekend, and the buzzers just swang around and uh, we had a wee tap and I just gave it a wee pull and the next thing all hell broke loose and that was him on. Wow! Did you get a photograph and, uh, of that fish? Uh, we've got a photograph of it and we have uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, there's a video of it as well. But we were that ill prepared for the fish, we didn't even have a landing net or nothing of it, so we, we had to scoop it up and. Flick it onto the bank. Is that the sort of uh, a rare fish? You wouldn't get too many caught that size, no? How big do they go to? Um, mostly, I mean, I've seen them average. I'd say is about a pound, but you you do get the odd fish pound and a half to two pounds. It's not uncommon to get a gillaroo in the two pound size. If you concentrate on the on the shores, tight in on the rocks and stuff, you will meet the good ones. But they like a bit of a wind as well. They do. They just graze in the sides. They just they head down. I they suppose. Graze that's it. That's it. So you have to pull them up, yeah. and a fly with with a wee touch of red always works good. Like a like a sooty olive and just a wee tiny tiny band of uh, globe right number three in the in the in the, in the bottom of it. All right. So you tie your own flies as well, do you? Oh, I do. I've got. A, I'm sitting actually in the studio at the moment just to restock the box after last week. Oh well, you, you see a lot of the a lot of the clients come and they they see the flies and they want to buy a few and All I give right. a few away. So so yeah. so so you if you finish a week then you always look oh geez I haven't got any of those any of these and then you yeah. come back and tie a few. And then of course you you're out fishing on the lake. And you get all all kinds of ideas, inspirations, and then you think to yourself, well, hang on, why don't I try that or try this? Um, yeah. Do you know that, what? what? That's what, what happens. Yeah, one yeah. thing I, one memory I've got when I fished Melvin once, and it was right out in the deep water, what I didn't expect. 
I was just drifting down, and all of a sudden there was a fish leapt in front, and it was a salmon, and it must have been all of 20 pounds. And I just didn't expect yeah. it out in the middle of the lake, you know. And yeah, do, yeah, do, you, do you get big fish like that now? Very rarely, and I think the problem with that is, is people don't fish um, big enough flies for the for the big salmon because right. um, there there's every year people see and 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 hook up to to big salmon, and very rarely are they landed because I think we 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 just not tackled right for them. Um, I've known of of men hooking to salmon twenty plus pounds, and away they go, jump two or three times. And away they go. Same in same in the river. Everybody's fishing size ten, um, wee shrimp patterns and that sort of stuff. That salmon doesn't want to even know about it. He just goes straight through all the way up into the system, and away he goes. Yeah, yeah. I think with big and fish, generally, I don't think you can fish too big. You know, no. they're not afraid of big flies, and they they prefer to have something big than something small. Exactly. I mean, there's a friend of mine. He fishes for the for the big trout in the, in the drought in the deeper water the yeah. sculpins and and the bullheads and that type of uh, flies big woolly buggers and stuff like that oh, and yeah. he's fishing a big um, de- detached body swing body flies and they're all all of three four inches long and uh, almost every time he goes down he it, he gets caught up on, the, on a salmon and it might not even be a big salmon really I'd love to have a go at these ferox. Do, do many people fish actively for them on Melvin? Um, over the years, people have tried and tried and tried, but I think you're out there trawling for for a ferox. You see a few to few 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 start jumping, and that's just down goes trawling. Out some fly around, and that's the way you go. That that's my biggest problem is I'd be out and I'd say to to, to my wife, "Oh, I'm going to go and try and catch the salmon," and and out of the trawling rods and go around. And about the third turn, I'll just say that's it. No, forget about the salmon because salmon is a is a, is a game of patience. And yeah. straight on with my rod and away you go. And over the years, uh, I, I've looked in the logbook that I that I keep. I've caught more salmon on the flies in Loch Melvin than I've caught on the troll. Have you? I I've caught fourteen salmon off the off of Melvin, and uh, eleven of them was on the fly. How much time do you spend on um, arrow? Compared to on arrow, on arrow, uh, this year I was eighteen days on arrow so far, right. of which fifteen in the mayfly. Because what happens on arrow is you, you get the first hatch of mayflies in 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 Lost Key, and uh, Key is a fantastic lake to fish for. Um, spent, it, it's an interesting lake. It's very big, yeah. and uh, you never meet much fish during the day but as soon as the light softens and the evening comes and the spent goes out there's always two or three fish feeding and you'll you'll cover one and if you're lucky he'll take you properly and you'll stick in him and the the smallest one i've seen come off it on on the spent was four and a half pounds and i've seen photos of them up to 12. 12? jesus it's very picturesque lake isn't it with some islands and you know it's, it's a beautiful Beautiful, like big shallows of the points of some of those islands as well. Big, big, big shallows. And then as soon as the April comes towards the end of April, the last week of April, beginning of May, I would be heading for Loch Arrow. And I'd stay on Arrow for at least two weeks until right. the 15th or the 16th. And I, if I don't have a client out on it, I'll just go for myself. Great fishing. Of 
is it known really for an evening water or is it just fish well in the day as well? No. You can fish very well in the day. That story about it's only evening water. That's because a lot of guys go to Arrow and all they do is they fish the boiling buzzer or um, what they call is the green peter at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a friend, a guy I met down there this year, he doesn't go out until nine o'clock in the evening when most men come off with. Yeah. And uh, he had one very good fish, about, uh, I'd say, the guts of five pounds on the boiling buzzer. That's fantastic fishing, that, isn't it? But uh, I go out um, average about 10 o'clock in the morning and then just look for the birds. And they don't lie. I mean, this year we, we found uh, a lot of fly hatching at a place called Stony and not a fish to be seen on it. And just drifted, kept going out into the broad lake, into the broad bay. And uh, the next thing, we rose a fish, and then there was a whole pot of fish sitting right far out into the lake itself. Yeah. And had a fantastic day. Each time we went out into the deeps, we met three or four fish and got one or two each time. On the mayfly? On the mayfly. The, the, well, On the green mayfly. So when does that start, the mayfly there? Because I know, if I remember right, Melvin is quite late, isn't he? It's still June, is Mel- it? Melvin's very, very late. Melvin is normally last week in May, the first week in June. This year during, during the internationals, the mayfly was out, but the fish weren't even on the mayfly because we had a huge scoop, um, school of uh, jelly fry, and they were very small. And the sonochen had actually started herding the jelly fry up, even right out in the deep. And fish you were catching in the deep was when you bring them to the boat, they were actually spearing up jelly fry. Because on Corrib, what I normally fish, like this year, I had a great trip this year, and I caught the end yeah. of the Mayfly, and that was the last week of May, first week of June. So it was more or less yeah. finishing then. And then um, uh, that was the idea then. It was going to come up up to Melvin. I think it was to catch the, uh, the the fly up there, but it wasn't to be. But um, yeah. hopefully the sedge fishing then, maybe the Green Peter next month would be pretty good. With, uh, I'll have to get on the tying bench myself and tell you a few Green Peters and uh, Cock Robins or something, you know. I, I, cock robin, the, the cock robin with the wee pearly ribbon is a very good fly. I find it's yeah. a great point fly for me on Corrib. It's probably my favourite point fly of all. I pulled, you know, but uh, I've gone more and more lately oh. to fish dries. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I'm just fishing dries, dries, dries all the time now instead of pulling. And you normally oh, get the better you, fish. Oh, yes, you better believe it. I mean, I was on, on mask there during the heat wave, the last one we had when, when England got the, got the weather into the 40 degrees. And it was very, very warm the, the Saturday, the Sunday, and the Monday on Lachmas. It was flat calm and uh, went out early in the morning from 6 till 8 in the morning and fishing just a very, very simple uh, shuttlecock with a pearly ribbon in Yeah. And when I met the fish and got some very good fish out of it, up to about two and a half pounds. That's lovely. That's nice. I, I think the, 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 the dry fly fishing is the cream of it. Yeah, it's visual, isn't it? And it can be tough off a drifting boat, just going on to areas and seeing fish moving in the wind, casting to them, yeah. or even just coming blind. Have you have any goals for this year now? Well, I'm I'm trying to set up a trip to Las Rocos in Venezuela for um, beginning of next year to uh, wow fish for for for, for tarpon, permit and uh, um, bonefish. And maybe maybe get out at the at the tuna as well because I, I love fly fishing for, for yellowfin tuna, especially the smaller ones. You've done um, that before, have you? 
I've done that quite a bit. Quite a bit of it. I have the gear for it as well. The very big, uh, strong drag fly reels and, and 14 weight rods for that. But yep. uh, that's, that's a goal for this year. But I'm not sure if, if travel restrictions and planning will happen for it. But I'm, fingers crossed. Do you do any saltwater fishing in Ireland? I do, but um, I like fly fishing for Pollock up in Donegal. Oh, I'd love to do that. I've done it in West Wales once. Blinking X. Do oh, they pull or what? <laughs> I, I can tell you one thing. I've seen some of the best uh, 10 weight rods snap underneath a big pollock. I can imagine. That, well, that off the yeah. bo- is that off the boat then or off the shore on the rocks? No, the, the, there's a few few marks we have um, up Donegal Bay area itself. And it's, you're fishing off cliffs into deep, deep, deep water. Um, you're fishing into seven meters, meters of water on low tide. And the pollock just school up in these holes. And you fish a, a high-density line with a big clouser or a big streamer straight out to them on a sinking line. And as the line goes down, normally on a figure of eight, slow retrieve, bang. And it's, there's no messing. It's a solid hook up, and that's it. Yeah, you don't give them line, do you? Oh, you can't because you're in really bad, rough terrain. Yeah. I forgot about Pollock. I, I remember a few years ago, I went with a guy, Vaughan Thomas, down West Wales, and he had a little dinghy. Yeah. And we were fishing in amongst these rocks and kelp. And uh, as soon as the fish would take, even the pound and a half fish, it was like, God, the, the, the t- you are just at the lock up and just hold it. And he had one about That's five and a half pound. And I thought his rod was going <laughs> to break. It was just... <laughs> but um, It's a hang on, Matt. Yeah, that's something I'd want to do. Maybe. Well, I got a, a, quite a few things planned now next month. I've um, I want to do not just stick to one place. I want to do a lot of tra- traveling. I want to fish down in Kerry as well. Maybe try okay. on Karan for the sea trout. Yeah, Karan for the sea trout. Yeah, and then uh, I've never fished, but apparently it's fantastic. Oh, I fished a few times. I've done really well. I've always had fish there. Nothing big. I've always had sort of the pound to pound and a half fish, plenty of them. Uh, yeah. I've met big fish, but they didn't stick. Usual story, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice place. And it's straight in off the sea, you know, the fresh fish, and it is special. And the bass fishing, I want to try again. There's a, there's a guy, James Barry, he's from um, Waterford Way, and he fishes yes. the Copper Coast. And uh, yes. I want to try and get a day with him fishing uh, along the Copper Coast. So I'll be looking forward to that as well for the bass. I do some bass fishing here as well, but it's, it hasn't been great this year so far for me. But uh, I'm going for the first time this tonight now. I'm going to fish for sea trout tonight on the, one of the rivers down South Wales here. Cause okay. We've, okay. Had, we've had plenty of rain the last day or so. Well, not plenty, but enough to get some fresh fish because our lakes and rivers here are just... On their knees, on the bones, you know, there's no water here at all. Well, we've had, I, I'll be honest with you, we've had three, maybe four good summer days. I mean, last night I came off the estuary and I was found it. It was uh, 11 degrees at, at midday outside and the wind was coming northwest and it was ice cold and we had spots of rain and stuff like that and was out with the oil skins and the whole lot and I was still cold. Oh, it was wow. freezing, Baltic, and we've we've had a few local rivers in spite over the last week as well. So we have had plenty of rain. There's a lot of water everywhere. Well, I've enjoyed this chat. 
You've been to many places, but there's sounds of it in your lifetime. International places as well as Ireland. But where yeah. would you want to be to make your last cast? To be honest, I'll tell you exactly where that'll be, and that is the Upper Wye or the Upper Seven, fishing in April for the Grandam Hatch for Grayling. Wow, well, I didn't expect that. Yeah, you didn't expect that, no. I, I used to go <laughs> up there once, once a year in, in April and April, May, and the Upper Seven and Upper Wye um, had a huge hatch of Grandam Sages, and they used to have a very distinctive green button, and... I remember it well. There's a pub called the Red Line on the way to Ryder on the right-hand side, and there's a bridge just next to the pub, and underneath the bridge, there could be a screw of maybe 40 grading sitting. And you could just pop the wee clean camera with the wee green butt down there, and whoop, up the grading and come and take it. And you land him, and you put another one out, another fly out, and whoop, up you come and take one down. And I caught my best grading at the back of the football pitches and Ryder, in the upper seven and he was four pounds two ounces and he was as long as my bloody arm and he was as fat as a pig and I was always loved going to the seven and the Y to fish for the for the grading and I thought you were going to say on a summer's evening in Loch Arrow or something or, or South Africa well many thanks for the chat enjoy chatting eventually I'll speak to you soon Andreas and see if you can dig up okay. one or two of those um, venison steaks too <laughs> don't worry the season's opened already my freezers are full and uh, I don't need to shoot anything yet but uh, I'll get there soon enough chat to you later if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more please consider becoming a patron where you will get over 90 past episodes and weekly podcasts plus photography and exclusive content to join visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or see the link on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com. Well, that's all for now. Tight lines, and don't strike too soon. <laughs>